G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. If you've been around church for a while, you may have heard some amazing messages around biblical characters and unpacking those attributes of their lives that impact on our own lives, our families and our community. One of those Bible characters to talk about today who will be highlighted at the upcoming Church and State Summits. It's John the Baptist. He was the one who wore clothing made of camel's hair and ate locusts and wild honey. We know him as the forerunner to Jesus. He baptized Jesus in the Jordan River and was known as a prophet and an evangelist. Of course, he came to a brutal end, beheaded by sword in a dungeon near the Dead Sea for reproving Herod Antipas more specifically for taking his brother's wife, Herodias, to be his own wife. And you might recall how Herodias asked her husband for John the Baptist's head on a platter. So what can we learn from the life of John the Baptist? Well, coming up at the end of this month is the Church and State Summit. One of the speakers there will be Pastor Joshua Pello. He's bringing a reflection on the character of John the Baptist and some parallels between John and the modern church and state today. He's joining us. Josh, a special welcome along to 2020. Thanks very much, Neil. It's great to be with you. Josh, there's parallels we can draw to a lot of characters from the Bible. And John the Baptist, one of those so outstanding because there's this obvious connection between church and state. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there is probably a proud Christian history of the fact that I think the prophetic voice of God has been given to people to establish, you know, heaven's decrees in the earth below. And I think John the Baptist is probably one of the more famous voices that we, you know, have heard in in the history, but I think that prophetic voice now entrusted to the church, um, you know, has carried on, you know, speaking into you know, the way in which governments and kingdoms have been run, both spiritual and, and physical. You know, I, you know, we just need to look back at some of the famous ones like Will, William Wilberforce or Martin Luther King Jr., who have, you know, also carried on that great tradition of, of declaring God's goodness, mercy, and even calls to repentance so that greater portions of heaven can be established here on earth. Some people will say, well, well he could have kept his head if he hadn't said something about. Herod Antipas and his wife Herodias, if he'd just kept quiet about the immorality at those top levels of society, no one would have worried. He'd be able to carry on and, uh, you know, with his camel hair clothes and uh, living on locusts and wild honey and calling people like a good evangelist should. But there he was speaking into the upper levels of government. I wonder whether there's something we should learn from that. Yeah, I think probably one of the one of the main reflections that we could, particularly in our modern society, reflect upon is the fact that repentance isn't a negative message. Uh, you know, we have probably been conditioned, maybe even by media sources today, that you know repentance 
is a, is a negative message, and we just need to keep our mouths quiet on that. But and sure, it didn't end up great for John the Baptist, and there's certainly Christians today who are also, you know, not always. Uh, well, they're facing persecution for speaking out their beliefs and and the way in which they think the world, you know, should operate according to God. But here's the thing: I believe repentance is a positive message. It's a it's a demonstration of God's mercy. It's a it's a highlighting of His salvation. You know, we even look at the the prophet Jonah. You know, he went with a specific message of repentance, and it wasn't one of doom and gloom and 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 you know uh, everyone's gonna you know turn or burn. But it, it was really, hey, there is a God who is wanting to bring you mercy. There is a God who's wanting to show you a better way to live, a better way to outwork our government, a better way to outwork our society. And and I think that's a positive message, not one that, you know, is, is shrouded in negativity and judgment. There's also, I think, here a message of truth, because if you have truth, as John the Baptist would have been very confident, then he would recognize that that truth and his understanding of Old Testament law and uh, recognizing Herod Antipas he would have recognized that truth doesn't just apply to people at the Bible study, but it applies to people in government as well. Certainly. Truth, you know, is obviously a well-debated topic in our society today, uh, but we need to always come back to what our guiding light of truth is, and that is Jesus himself, who is salvation. Uh, you know, Zacharias prophesied over John the Baptist, his, his own son, he said that, you know, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God. And and this is, uh, once again, truth is not something to be shunned or to run away from, even though uh, it, it may seem at enemy and at odds with maybe some of our own desires. Uh, truth is always going to lead us to salvation uh, because there is only one source of truth, and that's God himself. And if you are confident with the truth that you carry, and of course when we talk about truth, we're talking about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. So he is the message. He is the truth. Certainly. And so that application, whether that's happening within our own communities, within our family, or whether that has to overflow even into a political context and it has to apply to those who are governing us, we ought not to shy away from that. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, what is a nation apart from a group of families, really? And and if we truly believe that the way in which we want to conduct our marriages, our families, as believers, is the best way to live, it is the best truth to live, uh, then it should also be equally true for our communities to also uh, you know, pursue that way of living, if it is the best way to live, the best truth to live. And if it's true for our, that community, then the group of communities as a nation, certainly, surely, it must be true for that as well. And there are those simple, and I think we'd call them bread and butter ideas of what we carry as Christian believers and in the concept of evangelizing. But when you get to a John the Baptist level and you're really crying out in the wilderness, preparing a way for the one who is the truth, He's speaking into contexts way, way above where most of us get to speak because he's engaging in the actual social policy of the nation by speaking out the way that he did. And there's a certain sense, Josh, people feel like we are somehow rather separated from being involved in what happens in the political realm. But with the Church and State Summit coming up, and you're going to be talking about John the Baptist, there's a clear link here when we talk about the way he conducted his own ministry. 
Yeah, I certainly think that there's um, prophetic parallels to the ministry of John the Baptist and where we are in this current aspect of the church age. Uh, And I think that God has very much uh, got an agenda on what he wants to see established in the government, and God always partners uh, with humanity. He's partnered with his church. He's put Christ in us, the hope of glory, to do that. And he's got a real agenda on how he wants this society to run, and that is on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, That's not meant to be confined to the privacy of our own homes. Uh, That is a mission given to the church uh, that he wants to see the kingdom of God established in full here so that our earth is going to resemble his heaven. He's he's passionate about invading our world with his. You know, when I think of John the Baptist and uh, there's biblical reference to the idea that he's a little bit like, you know, an Elijah come again. And Elijah in the Old Testament of course, is the example, isn't he, of challenging Ahab and uh, to actually challenge those prophets of Baal and to see them defeated. So that in itself was political. And so this idea of a political alignment that leaders have, not just in their own local communities, but to speak into the life of a nation, this is something that really is something we're called to do. Yeah, I I think certainly individually, but most certainly corporately as a church. I I think there are aspects of our ministry as a corporate body of believers right across the globe uh, that we are to be declaring God's plans, God's will uh, here on earth. And if that intersects at a local level in our marriages or our families or how we run our business, of course, it it is to play out there. Uh, But if it also intersects with better ways in which we can run government or public policy, uh, then it should equally uh, be just as much talked about and also declared, which, you know, the prophetic voice of God, that's that's how it gets out. It's, it's declared. Um, and if we've been entrusted to it, then we should really be declaring God's truth at those levels as well because we believe. Actually, it's the best way to conduct our society. The courage to speak out into the environment, which might even be at a governmental level, and just reflecting on John the Baptist, filled with the Holy Spirit, living his life with presence and power, the presence of God, the power of God, and having the confidence to walk in that. That's something that really, I guess, is an inspiration for all of us uh, to be able to pursue as an aspiration of our own hearts. Yeah, I I certainly think so. I think probably one of the most remarkable differences that you can note for the disciples and believers before the day of Pentecost and after the day of Pentecost is courage, is boldness. Before they were saturated in God's presence, the Holy Spirit came and baptized them. Uh, they were locked in a room, uh, scared, hiding, and, uh, and, and certainly not out there publicly declaring God's plans for the world at large. After the saturation of God's presence and power in their life, uh, Peter kicks that door open, goes out onto the street, and holds his first open-air crusade. Uh, and and I think from then, you know, Christians and the church have been boldly declaring uh, with courage in the face of death, in the face of persecution, uh, you know, the, the, the plans of God, his salvation and shining light where the darkness is. And I, I think it's a proud church tradition that we should not be shying back from. Josh, you're pastoring a church, you're leading people. And when it comes to all of the issues that you can tackle from the Bible, the preacher on a Sunday, there's so much to tackle. 
how do you like to approach the idea of talking about the issues that a nation faces, those social issues, the political issues? And I know you've got to be always careful when you're talking politics as a church leader, but how do you approach that type of presentation from the pulpit? Yeah, I think it's always a, a great mixture of grace and truth, and, and you, can't, you can't go too far in either direction. If it's, if it's truth in isolation, then you can often you know, uh, burn people away. Uh, from from God's mercy, and if it's complete grace and 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 mercy without the isolating aspects of truth in that, that we get formed more into the likeness of God and more into His will for our lives, then equally you could end up in trouble. What I like to do is just uh, do what Jesus did and preach kingdom. Uh, so the kingdom of God is like the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is now. That's where Jesus went declaring not only just with His mouth but with His life. He went declaring the kingdom of God and what it was like for heaven to invade our earth. And, and I think from the pulpit, uh, whether we're dealing with personal or corporate issues as communities, uh, then I, I just love to talk about the kingdom of God and what it looks like for us as a community when we pursue his plan. Josh Pello, you're pastoring a church in Brisbane at Bean Lee. Uh, you've pioneered a church on the north side of Brisbane, just taken the helm at the Beanley City Hope Church, and uh, I know that the people there will really embrace you as their leader. Uh, you've got a fabulous way of being able to communicate, and uh, you're a passionate preacher of the gospel. Let me point people to the Church and State Summit. You're going to be enlarging on some of these things we've said today about John the Baptist and this idea of a connection between church and state. Well, the Church and State Summit, for the first time, is going to be in New Zealand on the 25th of February, and then three times in Australia at Melbourne, 26th of February, Sydney, the 27th, and in Brisbane on the 28th and 29th of February. Josh, just great getting your insights once again today. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Thoroughly enjoyed it, Neil. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.